This podcast is one of a series of short audio essays on individual emotions. It's brought to you by the Queen Mary Centre for the History of the Emotions, where we look to the past to understand our feelings in the present. In this episode, Joe Cohen explains how the mild-mannered feeling of sympathy has a surprisingly explosive political history. My deepest sympathies. That's what we usually offer when someone's having a bad time. We might send a card or sit with them a bit over a cup of tea. Sympathy. Even the sound of it is soft. We call it a tug at the heartstrings, not a gut punch. But if sympathy feels soothing today, that's not how it felt in 19th century America. Instead, Sympathy became one of the most disruptive forces in American political life, transformed by abolitionists into a weapon against slavery. It was a brilliant tactic. Sympathy was an emotion of the imagination. Its very meaning was to feel with someone, to actually inhabit and experience the feelings of someone else. In a campaign that was losing steam in the 1830s, What better way to force Americans to understand the urgency of the fight against slavery? Listen to how Theodore Dwight Weld tried to persuade his readers to join the cause in 1839. Every man knows that slavery is a curse. Whoever denies this, his lips libel his heart. Try him. Clank the chains in his ears and tell him they are for him. Give him an hour to prepare his wife and children for a life of slavery. Bid him make haste and get ready their necks for the yoke and their wrists for the coffle chains. Then look at his pale lips and trembling knees and you have nature's testimony against slavery. Over the next two decades, abolitionists kept asking Americans... How would you feel if it was you, you who was hungry, exhausted, whipped or raped, forced to watch your children sold away from you? Could you endure it? How would you feel if against all the odds you managed to escape and as you fled you asked for help? What if none was given? The answer was so desolating that it made the argument seem crystal clear. Although it was against the law to help a fugitive slave, sympathy demanded you should offer them aid. Ministers, journalists, politicians, as well as ordinary bystanders, all were engulfed by the tidal wave of sympathy that washed across America. It turned lives upside down. But if there was one group of people who wished that they could somehow put a stop to all this sympathy, that they could somehow dam up this deluge... It was America's judges. To their dismay, judges found themselves on the front lines of a fight over slavery. Their task was to enforce the property rights of enslavers. It didn't matter if a slave escaped. A slave was still the owner's property, no matter where they were in the US, and had to be returned. But year after year, judges faced a growing number of people who felt slavery was an outrage who sympathised so deeply with the enslaved that they were prepared to break the law. 
the only answer was to outlaw sympathy itself. In 1822, a slave called Jack escaped from his enslaver, Caleb Johnson, a wealthy farmer in New Jersey. Jack made his way to Pennsylvania and started a new life for himself, but it didn't last. Johnson soon tracked him down and arrived in the town ready to kidnap Jack back into slavery. The community were not having it. Before long, an angry crowd gathered to protect Jack from his enslaver. They lobbed stones and battered Johnson with clubs. Finally, they threw him into prison. When he eventually escaped, the outraged Johnson took the local sheriff to court on the charge of false imprisonment and won. Justice Henry Baldwin explained why. It is not permitted, he told the courtroom, to you or us to indulge our feelings. The law of the land recognises the right of one man to hold another in bondage, and that right must be protected, although its existence is abhorrent. To give in to sympathy, Baldwin warned, would be like letting a bomb go off in society. The bands of society, he said, would be broken, and Americans would fall by their own violence as the blast expended all its force by its own fury. That was the danger, he said, of giving in to the indulgence of the humane and benevolent feelings of our nature. Baldwin's opinion became a warning. His fellow judges used it to enforce the law, even when it ran counter to the feelings of the jury. Sympathy, they said, was an explosive force. It could destroy not only the American justice system, but the bonds of American society itself. How right those judges were. By the end of the 1850s, Americans were no longer confident that their justice system could be trusted. It was a suspicion that pushed them further down the path to civil war. Today, sympathy seems less dangerous. Perhaps we even worry it's empty of power, thoughts and prayers when something more is needed. But don't be fooled. It wasn't that long ago that sympathy helped to detonate the American Republic. Thank you for listening to this podcast. It's part of the Living with Feeling project funded by the Wellcome Trust. We hope it helped you feel better. To find out more about our work and hear more of our podcast series, please visit emotionslab.org.